just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by the best beer in all the land. Matter of fact, the beer is so good, it is currently on special in every celebrations in New South Wales and Queensland. You can get it for as low as $53 a case in every celebrations New South Wales and Queensland. If it isn't there, just ask politely. They've probably sold out to stock some more bloke and they'll get more in. Also, this Friday, we'll be at Rockhampton at 6pm at the Great Western the Greater Western Hotel. Great Western Hotel. The Great Western Hotel. Uh, cannot wait. Rock Vegas had many a night there. I've had many a night as a reserve grade player. Matter of fact, I might not be allowed into a few of the, the locals. Uh, no, Rock Vegas. Absolutely love visiting there when I was a player, so cannot wait to get up there. That's 6pm at the Great Western. Live show. Myself, Guru, Timmy and Maddie will be there. Come down for a beer. Enjoy the live show. And then we obviously can have a beer together. But with that all out of the way, I've got journalists. Do you like to be known as a journalist, Andrew? Sports writer? Sports writer. I got sports writer Andrew Webster, and I thought, how good would it be get me good mate Webby on to get the other side of the, the coin, the other side of the coin of rugby league? Mate, first of all, how you been? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Mate. You must be scraping the bottom of the barrel if you're getting me. No way, mate. I was just saying before uh, we came on air, my um, I've got two nephews, knockabout tradies, yep. early 20s. They don't give a shit what I do for my career. They don't give a shit, you know, whether you're on Nine, The Herald, SEN. But now I'm going to be on your podcast. I think I'll get, they'll be beside themselves. I'll, I'll get some love, <laughs> some cool status. Although they seem to like me when I get them um, tickets to Origins. And, yeah, that seems and, to yeah, help and, a little and bit. Sign, sign jumpers. That's, they seem to like that. But no, <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. I really like this podcast. I've actually, I always listen to it because there's always little nuggets. Mate, yeah, yeah. The, the players always open up to you a lot more, and you yeah. know, And the thing is, with journalism these days, you don't you don't get that access with yeah. players like you used to. Yeah, you know, because like, I, I mean, I'm, I assume back in the day it would have been way more open. Like you'd almost have a beer with the players. Well, you did. Well, yeah. w- when I started in in Newey, Newcastle in the nineties, like we, that's how I know the the Johns boys so well. Mm. So that was ninety. This is so. This is my twenty seventh season of the NRL. So wow. ninety six. Yeah, no. veteran. Jesus. 27 years. You would have seen it all. I've seen a lot. Yeah. I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> That's, this is what a life of journalism, <laughs> of, of rugby league journalism will do to your head, yeah. your body and your hair. Um, but after the game in, 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 at Marathon, as it was back then, you used to go and have a beer with the players. Yeah. Sit down, beer. They used to be big, big eskies full of, uh, of Tui's new cans on, on ice and you'd grab one and sit there with your pad and you'd, Mate. Phone and sit next to Joey or Maddie and that's chat crazy. away and none of that anymore. That's crazy. It's it's such an interesting, I guess, dynamic because the thing is, is like a lot of people like to just blame you know the media for the relationship breakdown or whatever. And I just I think it's a two way street because like for example, when I was coming through, you're almost taught to mistrust the media. Like yeah. you you're getting told by the club, don't speak to the journalists, don't say this, don't say that. And look, I understand it. They're a business. They're trying to protect their room. Everyone is coming from a perspective that you could understand if you heard them say it. Mm. Um, but I guess from your perspective, first of all, what's, what's it like to be a journo in rugby league? Is it getting, did you used to be more respected and as you get lumped in with everyone else, what, what's it like? I think, look, I, the reason why I did, I just, as a kid, I was not particularly good at sport at all. Um, but I always loved it. Mm. I always loved league and always... Um, Always obsessed with sport, but always obsessed with the with St George. Always a St George supporter. Always yep. obsessed around Origin, and always loved to write. So um, you know, I come from a family of bricklayers, and I just never wanted to 
my dad drilled into me, mate, you know, go and get an education mm. um, and do something you love. So I combined the two things. I love sport and, and, and writing together. So that's why I went down that path. Um, it's, it's certainly changed. You know, mm. I was talking about to this. I was talking about this to someone the other day. Like I started in the Hunter Valley. I had probably more fun covering sport then, because yeah. you could just mix with the players, and you know, you go and catch up with them afterwards. And they there was no distrust there. Mm. And if if you pissed them off, there'd be a frank conversation, and that was the end of it. And I've just seen, and that was always the case in the NRL as, as well. Like it. And I think Super League changed a lot of things. Mm. I think there was more of an emphasis on gossipy news. Yeah. You know, the, the Sunday papers started up their, their gossip um, columns and things sort of went from there where, you know, the, the industry, rugby league's changed as much as um, journalism has in the last 25 years. Mm. There's, I hate the current sort of uh, uh, influence of clickbait. Mm. I hate that. Yeah. Uh, I think you, journos are judged on their clicks, their page views, that's, that, and usually that's determined by the headline. The headline doesn't match the story. Mm. Um, and I think as a consequence, journos have gotten lazy, and I also think readers have gotten lazy too, where they just, you know, they look at a headline and make an opinion on the piece that you've written. Now, I like to – if I'm a columnist these days. I'm not so much a – I don't usually write <coughs> news stories, but I'll – like I'll ring – 15 people, say, before I write a column. Mm. And then I'll put a lot of time and effort into it and craft it out. And um, it's sort of, it, you get quite uh, frustrated and disillusioned when people are going to judge that piece because they've seen the headline, they've read the first paragraph, you're a grub, you're a prick, you don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Mm. Well, they haven't really read the story anyway. Yeah. So but that's a two-way street. You yeah, know? I, I think. I think. I think. I think because journalism's been cheapened so much, that's that's you know that's that's the response you get. Yeah. So walk walk through the process of a story because I think a lot of listeners may not know that. Like for example, you don't write the headlines. You've got someone else. So what's the you, the full process? Like let's say there's a big name about to sign somewhere. Actually, and if you could like. Any name that you could use that has happened recently that you can speak about, obviously. Okay. What would be the process like of putting a story together? Because a lot of like, for example, let's say a player is linked to a club and then he signs with somewhere else. A lot of people go, oh, lying journalist kind of thing. So what's the process of something exactly. like that? The thing is in footy is people fucking lie. <laughs> if I told you how many times I've been completely lied to mm. by people who I've you know, people that I've trusted for decades, people yeah. I've, um, you know, whose family's barbecues I've been to. Yeah, well. Um, you know, they'll tell you one thing and then, you know, it might take a day, it could take a week, it could take a year and mm. you'll realise you've been completely had. And you're almost being used for their agenda. Exactly. So unless you – and it also comes down to if you know that it's – if you don't know 100% that it's right, you have to write it that way. Yeah. And I think because there's so much, particularly in rugby league, journos all competing for the, for the story mm. or the clicks, that they'll put so many revs on the story to make it, mm. make it right. But, like, <clears throat> I'll give you an example. And sometimes you get it wrong. You've got to be big enough to, to say you got it wrong. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a great example of it because I'm writing a book at the moment on Wayne Bennett. Yeah. Um, so I'm sort of Bennett's in my, my wheelhouse. So I remember when he left the Knights in 2014, there was all this talk about where he was going to go. Was he going to go 
Um, was he going to go back to Brisbane? Was he going to go back to the Dragons? There was other clubs sniffing around. And I got told on the Thursday that he was, he was all but done at the Dragons. Mm. So I wrote that column on the Friday. Wayne Bennett, all but done at the, at the, at the Dragons, best thing the club has done in, since he left, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that came from someone on the board. Mm. Two days later, he signs with the Broncos. And I, was, I got hammered. I remember readers just like absolutely carving it off. Even though I didn't declare it, I said it was all but done. Yeah. So, and I went back to my guy and I said, what happened there? And they said, he reneged. Yeah, wow. He turned around at the last minute and reneged. And in the course of writing this book, and I don't think I'm giving up too much, but like, it, it, and Bennett said this to me, so he was on his way down the F3 from Newcastle to Cogra to sign the contract at the Leagues Club. He got a phone call from a Broncos player and said, we're in trouble, can you sort us out? And that's when he called Lachlan Murdoch, and then within 12 hours, he was done and dusted at the Broncos. No way. So St. Fo- George had a press release ready to go that Saturday to put out. But, but so it looks like I've got it terribly wrong where it was like I was actually right, it's You're, just changed. Yeah, yeah. But no one sort of understands that's it. Give you that Things nuance. change yeah. too. That's the other thing too. Mm. Things change so dramatically mm. that, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you fumble around the dark a lot as a journo, but yeah. you just got to be, you got to be careful, particularly, particularly in league, who your sources are and who's telling you stuff. Yeah. And, um, and always give yourself an out because <laughs> like that example there, yeah. It was funny, like, I, I remember at the time and I was like, Jesus, like, I felt so crook about it. Yeah. And when I was researching this Bennett book and I went, there you go, I was actually right. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he actually changed his mind. <laughs> so he was on the freeway down. He was on the freeway on the way down on the Saturday to sign the contract. And the Broncos called him. As a Broncos player called him and said, we're in trouble here at the moment. Things aren't going great. We need you to come back. A Broncos and player called him? A player him. called him. Holy. Who is it? Make sure you buy the book at yeah. the end of the year. So when's it coming out, the book? October. October. Middle of October. And it depends, though, if the Dolphins... Um, yeah, you want to extend well, it then. If they well, go well, this is the thing, though. So so we were we, we were sort of working on the assumption that the Dolphins weren't going to make the eight. Yeah, yeah. After yes, after Sunday... They look all right. They looked all right. Yeah. They looked all right. And didn't he... He looked like the cat that got the cream, too, Oh, didn't he? my God. What that about him in that... smirk when he went to the press that conference? press conference... Hilarious. So that for who was oh don't why won't say who the journal was. He's like it was, oh, a, did you it, come it up? was a news limited journal. <laughs> he was like, Oh, did you come up? Oh no, that was I think that was to James Hooper. Oh really? Yeah, I think that was Hoops' voice I could hear. Okay, but I think like, when, he, when, he, me, when he had a crack at the um, the other journal, there was a news limited journal for saying and but this is a great example, okay? This is where coaches, players, whoever, they have every right to get fucked off with this stuff, right? Yeah. So he remember the story the other week about it's him not being about him not being at um, at the last trial. Yeah. Um, and he was, and it was completely plausible why, because he was going to be there the next day and the training was going to start early. But no one had called him and checked about what had happened. Yeah, yeah. And that's fair enough. 100%. If you're going to run that story and, have a, crack, a text, and you're going to have a crack at him and say how unprofessional he is, yeah, he is yeah. at least go to him for a response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the big thing too, mate. It's like a lot of um, journos won't check for um check check details yeah the other week there i i, I actually did a story on bennett and about how he, he told me how brandon smith had agreed to nine hundred thousand a year to come and shook hands and then i've just got to go and see the roosters out of respect ended up reneging and and staying or going to the roosters wow and i and i and i texted brandon and said look mate i'm gonna 
Bennett said this, I'm going to run it. And he called me and he said, oh, mate, um, thanks for calling me. I thought he was going to deny it all. He said, oh, thanks for calling me. Yeah. I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, normally that doesn't they happen. They just run it. Yeah. So I couldn't. And sometimes you'd, you'd make that mistake. You'd, you'd, you're so certain in something and run it. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, I think you've got to – they're sort of the basics of journalism that people don't do anymore. Yeah, it's uh, and so what, what's the process of, of a story coming together? Like, so you you will call like for example when you go hearing whispers, ex players going ex club, you'll you'll call player managers, the you'll player call managers, clubs. clubs. See, I'm I'm lucky. I don't really write those stories as much anymore. Yeah, okay. But thank God mm. because I think that I think the player manager has become has used up the media so much oh. in, in recent years yeah like it's shameless yeah like oh, you can almost set your clock to some of these stories oh for sure really and yeah you know what you know what, like for example like i think a really good one or just use and i'm not saying that the player manager is doing this but like for example these huge figures that the tigers are paying moses 1.4 and all that kind of stuff i mean there's a reason this it's like putting pressure on certain people to get things done yeah i mean inflate a price Clubs, but it's managers. such it's such an old trick. Yeah, it's an old. You know, they trick. were doing it twenty years ago. I yeah. remember those those type of stories that long ago. But still, you know, managers want to get lines out there, and journo's want to get their name in the paper. Yeah. So and clubs clubs do it too. I, but I I also empathise with younger journo's. Like I'd hate to be coming through now. Like the pressure to try and get, as I said, clicks and subscriptions. And mm. I know it like at the telegraph like they know which stories has actually got a subscription to their yeah wow so if you're driven by that that's dangerous yeah, yeah I, sure. I think that's dangerous yeah yeah it's uh, it the whole the whole business model with journalism is a really tough one because you need revenue but you shouldn't be influenced like a journalist's obviously job is to get the truth as much to the close to the truth as possible yeah but when you're motivated by sensationalism you, you can't really yeah, they, people, don't, they, don't, they don't mesh. Yeah, and it's in league. Like I remember, like as I said, back in the back in the day, in the nineties, you know, there'd be four of you covering the game, mm. and now there'd be forty. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, particularly around Origin. That's when I noticed it the most. Like yeah. you, it's a, <laughs> it's a. I, I even when I remember when Latrell signed with Souths. Mm. I remember I went to that press conference. You know, I've been around a bit. I couldn't get a. I couldn't get a question in. Yeah, well, Every time yeah. I tried to say something, and I remember looking at Latrell, and he just goes, get me after. Yeah, yeah, you know? well, yeah. It's uh, like the thing with journalism, like I'm, I'm totally cool with speculation, with opinion pieces and all that kind of stuff. The only thing that I really dislike is like, like when players are painted in a bad life with false, false information. Yeah. Like, you know, such and such player you know, is, is being greedy because he wants X amount of dollars when that's not true. The thing that's going on that's with Mitchell true. and Moses at the moment is terrible. Yeah, like, like he, got, he got a question about it yesterday about are you greedy? Mm. Are you like are you putting too much pressure on Brad Arthur because you haven't made a decision and he's got to answer questions about it? I yeah. mean, seriously. It's crazy. It's in like If Brad Arthur can't a- a- handle questions about Mitchell Moses' contract, yeah. it's not the worst not the worst question to be asked. Oh, I mean, it's like it's, but it's such, a, it's such a nothing yeah. sort of storyline. Yeah, and like making Mitch look like he's being greedy when we don't really know the figure. I could see him in that press conference the other day. Get you could see how shitty he was getting. Yeah, he had a smile on his face to a point, and that's where I feel sorry for. You know, the other thing I hate too. I hate when clubs like say there's a big drama, particularly big off-field drama, mm. like, and I mean a serious one with police charges. Yeah, and no one from the club will front. <laughs> 
except for the like so i know but it's this player's turn to do media today so he's got to sit there and ask answer and and bat away you know tough questions about his teammate who's in court Mm. i mean that's shit you're better off just putting a front foot this is what this is a statement get a professional that knows how to answer these questions without you know doing anything there's another thing too like blokes like bennett and and a gus or whoever they'll just manipulate Oh. They'll manipulate them. They're the best I've ever They're seen. Best. I mean, every everyone is guilty. Like even even players are guilty of being sensitive. Like it's not like they're just these perfect human beings that don't know anything wrong. Like plenty of players have had a sook when they should be like, mate, it's a journalist's opinion. You think like yeah, you, yeah. you play well. Like you can't but, be up for that. But then I reckon a big problem is at like at least like not being not being able to have access to the players, particularly after games or just to have a relationship with them that's where i reckon the distrust comes from yeah for yeah sure because if you got to know each other and you knew like if you build that rapport of like mate i'm not gonna write something you don't want me to write because yeah. mo- most journos won't but my experience no, of course not there's been plenty of, like plenty of times when i was playing footy where i just say oh could you just tweak this little bit here or this bit or whatever and they yeah sweet man it's just it's like anything there's a few bad apples in rugby league when it comes to the players there's a few bad apples in it's like anything yeah i also um, think um <laughs> Players don't get get what journos do. You know, they think there's some... A lot of the time there's a bit of paranoia there. I understand why. I remember I was on a Four Nations tour. This is years ago. Mm. And um, I was having a beer before one of the games, like a few days before one of the games, and Dave Shillington was in the was in the team. And he wasn't playing that test. And we were having a beer at the bar. And I never talked to, to Dave before. He's a really nice guy. And, yeah. And we talk, I started to going, oh, so how do you get on with those journos in, you know, in, in Brisbane? He goes, oh, I can't, I can't handle uh, Steve Ricketts. I said, Steve Ricketts, he's one of the nicest men in the world. Mm. I said, why? He said, because of the score he gave me out of 10 in the player ratings for <laughs> an origin. And I said, what did he give you? He said, four. And I said, oh, that's pretty low. I said, what'd you do? He goes, I was only on for 10 minutes. I went... That's why you got, you got the four, four yeah, because you, you weren't on long enough. Yeah. So he held this poor grudge against poor old <laughs> Steve Ricketts for a player rating that, pl- that journos do like having watched half the game because you're filing right on yeah. on deadline. I was like, mate, you got to let that go. Yeah, you got to let that one go for sure. Yeah. So take us back to a – and so just in regards to putting the story together, so you put the story together – and then a lot of sometimes you know a lot of times if you're younger than the 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 sports editor will go mate i think this this is story mitchell moses we've got to keep, keep on top of that what's yep. going on the 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 journo should ring the player manager he should ring the club pr- prospective clubs try to talk to mitchell mm. try and talk to his teammates try and get a read on what's going on mm. But the thing is, if it's not there, then don't write anything. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> don't, don't call him greedy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's when you don't even know the figure. Um, and so you'll write the story. You'll take it to your editor. Yeah, you write it, file it, and they'll judge whether it should go in the paper, where it should go in the paper, when it should go online. Mm. Yeah. And then they write the headline too? Yeah. 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 So journos don't usually write the headlines. They do. In some systems they do, but it still goes through a sub-editor and an editor. So if it's... If it doesn't reflect the story, yeah. then they'll they'll change it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Then or, or or if the story's too litigious, they'll send it to a lawyer, and then they'll go through it, and you have yep. all those arguments and debates, and mm. yeah. So take us back to a young fellow coming into journalism, wide-eyed, the world. You're going to be the next bloody I don't know, some famous journo. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Chesterton Yeah Some war Trent, some, uh, some old Peter Fralingos Yeah, um, yeah No like? I started As I said I started in the Hunter Valley mm. uh, For a small regional paper um, But always 
covering the Knights and, and local footy. And then I moved around the country for a while and then I sort of got my big break in the year 2000 when I came to Sydney to work mm. for Inside Sport magazine. Okay. I was a staff writer there for three, four years. Who was your first big story where you're like, wow, that's such well, and such? I did a big, oh, God. I was always a bit starstruck at like those, like in, in the mid-90s, like the Johns boys were. Oh, they were kings. They were kings. Especially were, in that area. Yeah, yeah, in that area and and also just... Like, um, fuck, fuck Matty now, though. Like a dud. He's a dud. You know, so like overrated. They're, they're, both, it's, they're both a great example of like what happens to your ego when fame just consumes <laughs> you and... That's all they're driven by. So you know? they're, not, they're not the same knockabout blokes that I, I sort of started covering <laughs> in the 90s. You know, when I see Matty at a poker machine or Andrew at a tab, you know, I just think, you've changed. <laughs> yeah, changed heaps. <laughs> they haven't changed at all. Oh, I don't no. reckon they have. Um, Joey, Joey, when... So I'd sort of just started and then, then the Knights won the comp wow. in 97. Yeah, what a time to be around. Yeah, it was a really, really good thing to start. Yeah. And I remember, like, that city just went for three weeks, basically. <laughs> But I remember at the civic reception, <laughs> like in the, in the lead up to the game, their access was sensational. But there was so much hype around it, and again, you could do you could do whatever you wanted. Like mm. I remember going interview the Johns family at their place in Cessnock, and like the access you could get then was was ridiculous. But um, after they won it, they were at the civic reception on the on the Tuesday, and they had this function on top of the. Remember the famous photo where they're all on the top of the of the council chambers overlooking the, yep. the park and there's hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of people. And um, Joey, let's just say, how can I describe this without defaming him, was in a jolly mood. <laughs> he's quite jolly. And he was, remember he was doing these ones, the devil's horns? Yeah. He was doing that like in the, in the presentation after the game, but he kept doing that. So they're all there <laughs> waiting for this civic reception to start. And I went up to him and said, Joey, Joey, Andrew Webster. He goes... Just make the quotes up. <laughs> Just make them up. <laughs> That's and trust. And I've been making up his quotes ever since. <laughs> I mean, the impact that they have had on rugby league is, is probably the most impact of any brothers ever. They are. They, have. they have. And they're just such good knockabout guys. You know, mm. like, they never, they, they've never been... Joey was... Um, I saw it, like, his level of fame as it grew <sighs> from, say, the mid-90s yeah. through to... You know, a decade later, just he was consumed by um, people just wanting a piece of him. Yeah. Like everyone knew his home number. Wow. Everyone knew where he lived at Dixon Park there in, in, in Newcastle. You know, people come up and knock on his front door. Like it was mm. driving him mad. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's why he almost went to rugby. I, I actually spoke to him about this the other week. Like he was, he'd had enough of Newcastle. Yeah. Like Newcastle is such a strong, like it's, it's, Everyone talks about all the different heartlands of rugby league. Like, I'd, I think people underestimate just how, you know, just how passionate people are about footy there. Well, it's like, it's like Queensland. Yeah. And I know as a New South Welshman, you, you don't want to hear it, but it really is like Queensland. Like, they, like Brisbane love rugby league. I'm, I mean, the first game of footy over cover was a, a local game between Cessnock and Curry at, um, at Curry Sports Ground. Mm. And I remember covering that. And I walked in at third grade and there was... There was uh, <laughs> when I saw everyone was on the cans of uh, Jim Beam and Coke at, at the start of third grade. I went, well, "This is going to be an interesting day," <laughs> and it was. That was the day. There was a 
I love local footy. Yeah. Some of the shit you see. I remember there was this kid sitting on the fence uh, giving it. Steve Lenane was playing. The great Steve Lenane, who used mm. to play for St George, yeah. was playing for Curry, And he was into Lenane all day. Mm. Particularly about the marijuana. That's you know that's what got him kicked out of the Dragons all okay. those years ago, and that was publicised. So I don't think we're defaming Steve Lenane. <laughs> anyway, Lenane had, co- had copped it from this kid all day on the fence, and uh, Curry got a penalty right near the sideline. Mm. <laughs> and Steve Lenane's kick for touch, and it's hit this kid right in the head. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that. You don't see don't, that too often. Yeah, but at the end of that game, mm. there's a really controversial decision, and the crowd chased the referee up the tunnel. No way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far and out. I was covering the game with Barry Tui, who used to work at the Telegraph, and mm. he was he was covering it. I'll never forget, Barry Tui raced up behind the referee, and as he was trying to close the referee's door, he put his foot in the door and said, why did you send him off? Why did you send the player off that no and caused the near right at Curry Sports Ground? That Holy. was the first game of footy I ever covered. Really? Yeah. And you're going, these Neanderthals. The second game I covered was a South Newcastle game against Waratah, and the co- the coach said at halftime, he said, if you beat these fuckers, I'll buy a keg of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's just a different time, eh? Yeah. Well, I think that's what they need in footy, in the NRL level. Mate, seriously. Maybe that's what Bennett did for the Dolphins. Maybe well, I mean, a keg. Yeah, you know what? It was a keg. Well, actually, they're sponsored by Forex, so I can't say bloke. But in, a, in an alternative <laughs> universe, it was by bloke. Forex. That's piss. Hey, I won't oh, hear sorry. bad words about Forex. So we may be a, a new beer coming up, but. That's oh, a, a collaboration. No, but that's a Queensland spirit kind of thing. You should collaborate with them. Yeah, I mean, if they want, for sure. <laughs> reach out. Can they think can afford you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, like, so your first. What was your first big, I guess interview where you're like almost like we're sitting there going this is why i do journalism like this is what i got into it for this huge spread on x player about something i did a piece for inside sport on justin langer when he was playing that was the yeah. first time i'd actually been sent over somewhere to perth and back then you'd like i'd spent the whole week there mm. and and going into his backyard and he's you know and, and just going and interview everyone that was possible for that for that story, just that sort of level of detail, I thought, Jesus, this is pretty fun. Yeah, this I get to fun. meet people. People like wait in parking lots to meet these kind of yeah, people. Yeah, 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 just to hang out. And I like so Inside Sport was great because I learned how to write. I had some pretty good parties. Yeah, I can imagine the Inside Sport parties. <laughs> I used to, part of that job was to interview the models. No remember way. The, remember the cover models of Inside I don't Sport? Remember. I'd You'd be too young. Yeah, you know, remember two early two thousands. I was playing soccer, so I don't. Wasn't really. So Inside Sport was like, you know, it was like a monthly glossy magazine, and it was made on the same uh, level as Penthouse. No way. Yes, it was. It Holy. Was. So did you see a lot of Penthouse models oh, coming in? Oh, they sh- we shared the lift. No way. Yeah. I went to pretty to a lot of photo shoots. They were always. No way. For the, for the Inside Sport, not Penthouse. Okay, but yeah. was, they were the same models, though, weren't they? No, 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 different, different models. models there's okay. There's Penthouse, there's there's the naked models and the bikini models. Oh, we okay. always I thought you sport. could do both. Well, you probably cross could. code. Yeah, look, you probably international. Yeah, Julian international. <laughs> Man, inside, okay, inside sport. So, but they were pretty crazy days. Yeah, I can imagine. Those no, magazine. no camera phones either. No. So, I'm just actually trying to think of a story that I can tell that's not going to ruin someone's life yeah or, or my own <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to incriminate myself <laughs> um so okay base it's basically you're working for inside sports and then what was the kind of next progression in your career and then i went to work for uh the sun herald mm. in late 2005 so i went from monthly magazines to sunday tabloid mm. 
um, Danny Wyler had just gone to Channel 9, so I started doing that sort of inside back gossip column, and that was when I started bluing Deluxe with Buzz. No way. Yeah, Buzz was running the other column, and so Buzz would just rip me to shreds. Really? Every Sunday. Are you good now or not good now? Yeah, we're fine. We're great. Okay. Yeah, no, no, we were, we were really, he, he got really personal. Yep. My old girl was going to come down to Sydney and try and knock him out. No she, was, way. she was filthy. And was um, it, does he, is he just really competitive? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because Buzz, Buzz is eh? a throwback to those old, those really old days, um, those old days in the 70s and 80s where the papers would go at each other really hard. And there was an old, the old afternoon papers. So papers like The Sun and The Mirror, they'd come out in the afternoon and they were the other old blood and guts days of journalism where they just try to outdo each other every yeah, okay. day. It was so competitive. Mm. And then... They <coughs> saw a young fellow and said, I'm to rough him up a bit. Exactly. That's, that's, what, that's how it was. And I remember at the Dally M's at the end of that year, I saw... And I always thought it was all taking the piss <laughs> i didn't think it was that serious oh, well, so okay. i went i went to the dally m's and we got full of drink and and i saw buzz and i went over to buzz to shake his hand and buzz put his beer down and was going to throw one no way oh 100 buzz the mayo man was ready yeah. to throw yeah yeah and then i went over and taught and introduced myself to kenty and he was ready to do the same thing well that I doesn't said, surprise me. no that doesn't matter not one bit i said why don't you and buzz fight each other yeah they should just get it on but now i get on great with them so That's then a hilarious. couple a couple of years later they try to employ me and so you earned your stripes with them to a degree. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did because I wasn't going to put up with their bullshit to a, to a lot of it. Yeah, of it, you know. So were they like, you know, a lot of a lot of their opinions I disagree with, uh, and and also sometimes the way they do things. But I'm a player, so I guess that's well, I'm an ex-player, but I have been told, and I don't even know, but I've been told that like both Buzz and Kenty used to be extremely good journos. Yeah, like as in genuinely, you know, they may have uh, look. Maybe they were saying oh, Ken, the same Ken, back then. Kenty's a beautiful writer. Yeah, okay. Kenty's one of the one of the most the the most elegant writers I've seen. Um, and Buzz is the best news hound I've ever seen. Like yeah. Buzz's content when you've been around for as long as as they have in particular, like mm. their content contacts are are so strong. You know, straight to the top, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah wow. Yeah, Buzz has broken some of the biggest yarns that's ever happened. Yeah, wow. Really. And so back in the day, what was Kenty like as a young fellow? The same? Yeah. Just loved a beer, loved yeah. a blue, and loved yeah. to talk shit? Yeah. Yeah. Hell, eh? Yeah, but he's, all, he's always been a pretty special writer. Yeah, he? okay. So he, I mean, what was he like as a journo back in the day? Before, you know... You well, I only that. really knew him around that 2005 period. So, yeah, okay. But they were, as I said, they're just all really well connected. Yeah. They used to break a lot of stories, and they used to have a lot of... Again, they used to have a lot better, so much better... Access. Access than, mm. what, than what they do now. Mm. Um. But yeah, I think they're you know they're, they're too they get they they're controversial. Mm. Oh yeah, they're controversial. They're very, the worst thing I reckon that ever happened was they the TV put journos on there. You reckon? <laughs> Why is that? Walk us through that. Because everyone's ego just went like that. <laughs> you want to be the. I'm journo not talking about those two men in particular. Yeah, yeah. But people like seem to like journos talking on TV on shows. On TV, yeah, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, they they they're, they're usually a little bit of a spike in the ratings. It's it's interesting because like a guy like Kenty, um, you know, he's been. I, I don't think people appreciate how, as you just said, like there's a reason where that why they're in their position where they're in. Now, as I said, I think there's a lot of people that disagree with a lot of what they say, but you don't get to their position unless you've got a lot of contacts in the game, the right That's people right. to call. Yeah, yeah. You don't make it. People seem to think there's this like you just make things up. Mm. 
honestly, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be if a journo's making them up, they'll get found out pretty quickly. Mm. You know, yeah, like those those guys in particular who have been around a long time and have a big network, like they're. You know, they're, they're ahead of the game. Widler's the same. Yeah. Danny's the same. Danny the Widler. It's the great Danny Widler. Danny Widler. <laughs> he gets in shot. No, he can he get in shot. He does like getting in shot, Oh, yeah, get that. He did it with mug. Mitchell Moses the other day. You got in shot Let's again? Say, yeah. Mate, he loves it, eh? He does. He's, he is. He's a star. <laughs> See, I hate TV. Really? Yeah. God. What was it? What's your experience? When was your first invite on to doing TV? Oh, 2010. Steve yeah. Crawley, when he was at nine, asked me to go on there. Okay. No, I'll tell you who it was. It was Maddie Johns. No way. Yeah, remember Maddie's show on Channel 7? Seven. And I kept saying no to it because I was like, I don't want to fucking go on TV. You yeah, know? I'm yeah. a writer. And then they told me the money and I went, okay, I can do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it every day if you want. <laughs> yeah, I could. Okay, so. And I'm, we're, about to go, we're about to go on air live and Maddie goes, you've done this before. I said, no, this is the first time. I went, oh, this would be fun. And then I, I went, oh, all right, and Steve Crawley got me on, on nine quite mm. a bit. So. Yeah, okay. Is Steve but Crawley's with it, Fox now? He's with Fox, yeah. yeah. He's a big dog. But I, I, think I, get too, I get too sweaty. Yeah, okay. Too sweaty with the lights. And <laughs> particularly, you've had a big, 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 night. big day, the big day slash night <laughs> before. Um, Day-nighter, always dangerous for live television. The oh, next day. I can imagine. No sleep. None of that happens here, mate. No, good. This is like I it's a very professional yep. setup. Except the beer in front of me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, when do we crack these? Walk us through. <laughs> walk us through uh, the Super League Wars because you would have quite a deep. Insight. I just started. What was that like as a new journo? Oh, I mean, the well, I was in New. Yeah, I was in Newcastle, um, so that was one of the real battlefronts. Um, and it was you talk to old, particularly more experienced journos from that time. Mm. They said you couldn't be wrong. You know, because anything you wrote, like it was just flying. No, no, yeah, no one was denying anything. And it was like when you got half of it was, it's like basically media company versus media company news versus Channel Nine or Kerry Packer. So you know they're in the news business. They leaked like News Limited is Murdoch, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and but there's some great stories from that from that time about how basically one of the great stories I reckon from Super League. And it, it revolves around the Broncos and Bennett is how they thought on April 1, mm. it was all like it had been written about and talked about and there had been injunctions for a couple of years. But in early 96, on April Fool's Day, the Broncos were going to be the first club to sign. On April Fool's on Day. On April Fool's Day. Oh and Lachlan Murdoch and John Rebo were due to meet all the Broncos players in the car park uh, at... Uh, the old ANZ Stadium. Wow. And that's when it was that. It QE2? Might, might, yeah, it might have been. It was either QE2 or, or, or the Red Hill. I think it might have been QE2 anyway. Um, and Bennett had always said three or four days beforehand, if this, if I don't want the story to get out, I want us to play the Cowboys on, um, on the Friday night and then I'll tell the players after the game to come and um, come and we'll sign the contracts for Super League. Anyway, the story got out that day. Mm. Anyway, Bennett hit the roof. Yeah, yeah. And he said to he said to Rebo, "We're not coming." No, he, he just he just told his players, "We're not going." Mm. So here's John Rebo and Lachlan Murdoch in the car park waiting for the Broncos to turn up. No way. They weren't there. Yeah. So instead of it took them, they had to stay there for a few extra days to try and secure the Broncos. Everyone thought the Broncos were done and dusted because yeah. John Rebo, who was the CEO, was also the architect of Super League. 
Um, so they had to stay in, in Brisbane to get it done, mm. which meant they had a delay in getting from there to Newcastle. Oh. So because they didn't get it to Newcastle in time, in that time, Paul Harrigan went down to Phillip Street, met with the Australian Rugby League, signed up um, with them, went back, and because they'd signed up, because Chief had signed up, the Knights were basically stitched up as well because they all wanted to stay together. Wow. So how Bennett's... Bennett's Impact on rugby league. Stubbornness and principles, because he said if it gets out, yeah. then we're not going to... Do it. We're not, we're not going to, you know, I, 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 he was pissed off about it. Mm. He stopped them getting to Newcastle in time to... And that would have been design. like almost the last the piece in the puzzle. Changed the course of history. Knew he goes, that, they all go, well, much. They, they would have won the war Super League. Wow. We would have been looking at a different game for sure. It just shows you yeah. these historic moments with these historic figures. Wow, that is insane. And all because at least... I'm giving you all the gold from my book. Mate, no there'll be plenty more. Mate, mate, there'll be plenty more. I mean, jeez, uh, you're talking about Wayne Ben. He's, he's been he's around for a thousand years. He has been. So I'm sure there are many stories. Bloody, there's lots. There's lots. I'm trying to work out which ones... To put in. To put in, which ones to leave out. Far out. That's incredible. Yeah, so. but that but that was a pretty crazy time, Super League. So, so the Broncos go across... And basically, the whole comp gets split in two. Yeah. What, where were you, like... So, I was in Newcastle. Yeah. And so, the Hunter Mariners got formed. Mm. And that was... Newcastle was such a stronghold for the ARL. Ken Arthurson dedicated his book to Newcastle because they stuck so solid and were so supportive. And they mm. were a working class coal mining, yeah. you know, area. So, they weren't going to really... That doesn't surprise me that they'd, they'd go that path. But I remember the Mariners players, like the Newcastle people would, would spit at them in the street. Really? Yeah, it was really hostile. Wow. Really hostile. A few of their players went over. Mark Sargent, who'd you know, been at the Knights, he went over. Mm. Robbie McCormack, um, uh, Noddy, Brett Camorley, yeah. they all went over. And they, they were, I think they made the World Club Challenge final against mm. Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So they weren't a legless team. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was ugly. It was ugly. Wow, yeah. far out. And so are there any yarns that you've – I mean, I've heard – I think it was – I think Freddie has talked about how he walked into ARL or something and they went they, – they offered him a certain amount. Apologies if it isn't Freddie. I think it might be. It's Freddie. It's Freddie? And he was like, oh, all right, think about it. He walked out and apparently someone else had walked in and said, I want more. And then he walked back in and he earned 250 there's, grand. There's heaps of stories like that. Player agents signing players to ARL contracts after they'd retired. No way. Oh, yeah. I won't, say the, I won't say the manager, but he was writing them. And I remember Gus, who was one of the main negotiators, said, mate, that bloke's retired. He said, he's making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> there's a story about Gus and Bob Fulton when they actually went up and secured the Knights. Yeah. And they all went up there and, um, and they'd... And they'd like they'd just signed all these players on millions and millions of dollars worth of, of contracts, and um, they'd for, they'd forgotten they'd forgotten uh, their credit cards for whatever reason because they had to get up there in a hurry. So they stopped for um, <coughs> stopped on the way back for a, for a feed late at night, but none of them could pay for it because they didn't have their cards on them. Oh, wow. And it's like, hang on, we've just signed contracts worth millions of dollars, and no one can pay for the fucking steak sandwich. We just oh ate. my god. And so it's really you get Gus going on. Gus is hilarious just about how... How it all come together. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, like, you know, Wayne Bennett and Gus have always had this 
kind of strange rivalry. There's a bit of respect there. There's a bit of Queensland, New South Wales there. But you are, you go even deeper. There's a super war, super league war there. Yeah. Where if Broncos don't go to Super League, then it probably falls over. I'd assume because they were so big then. It would have for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but the main, as I said, the main thing is they couldn't get to Newcastle and and sign up um, sign up Newey. Yeah. But I reckon, and I've spoken to Maddie Johns about this. I mm. reckon they would have gone. You reckon? Uh, yeah, because because all they wanted to do was stay together, and the Knights are on the bones of their ass. They mm. were a really poor club, um, despite their popularity. So. Yeah, change the course of history. So what was Chief's thought process? Loyalty? Loyalty, for sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and he went he went down to, to Sydney first, to Phillip Street, mm. and met with, with Arco and Quayle and, and all those guys and, and and the fact that he sort of had secure was secured first it, it helped them keep Newey. Yeah, wow. That's incredible. I mean, stay tuned for the book, boys. You'll get a much, much more detail. Much more detailed exactly. story. Exactly. Don't worry about the extracts. Buy the book. You also would have been around when essentially footy players first became professional. Yeah. Did you see a big swing? In that was sort of from Super League yeah, onwards, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Did you see a big change in the the footy player in that time? Or well, not really? It was just pretty much the same. It's funny. I talked to players from that. I still reckon. Well, you'd know this. I reckon that early two thousands. You talk to players from that period. They all say that was the best time to play. Mm. That's when it was fun because it was it was it was professionalising. And they had, and they trained that way, but they still could, you know, they weren't, it wasn't as restrictive as it is now. Is it whatever, like when I was coming through, even so I come through 2005, <coughs> so like five is my first year, there was no restriction. There was no, you can't go out and have a beer. Like you were loved by the public. Like yeah, right. the public wasn't trying to get you in trouble. They, were, they would cover for you. That's the worst thing for it, phones. Yeah, the phones. Whereas phones like, changed everything. They really did because it yeah. came in towards the end of when I was finishing. But I've told this story before, but... I was at the Norm Beer. This is the difference in... This would never happen today, in my opinion. I could be wrong. So I was at the Norm Beer at the height of my career, which is a very short blip, very short up and down. And basically, I was with a couple of girls. We were just walking past, and some dude tried to hit on one of them. She was like, no, thanks. And then he was like, you're a, you're a slut, rah, rah. And then, no, I just bailed him. I was like, mate, call him a slut. Like, have some respect. Like, yeah, 100%. Um, and then he, he arced up. Anyway, we got in a scuffle. I ended up... Um, leaving the Normby and basically I left with the girl as well. So we all left. And so I basically was like, oh man, like this, hopefully this doesn't get out, like getting in a scuffle. What am I like? No one's going to believe that he actually that did you, that. that. You were doing the right exactly. thing. Sure. Then no one's going to believe I'm actually trying to make him respect the women in the bloody joint. And so I was like, oh, hopefully nothing comes of it. Anyway, so I get like a message or a call. I think he might have got my number. The owner of it calls me and he's like, hey, mate, can you come into the Normby? And I'm like, oh, f- I'm done here. Like, it's going to be in the paper. Because again, I was at Brisbane, top try score at the time in the NRL. So it would have been a good story to write. Yeah. yeah. Not that I'm some superstar <coughs> or anything, but. Oh, please. Um, well, I was it. I just I got on the end of Lockie's good, good, uh, good play. Anyway, get to the Normby and he takes me into the footage room and I was like, Oh man, he's gonna like slap my wrist and be like, "Mate, this is what he did." Rah rah. And he goes, "See this?" And he like played it, and he's like, oh, "Delete, deleted the whole thing." He said, "Mate, nothing to worry about. Don't worry about it." And that was it. There you go. Different time, man. They wouldn't do that now. There's no way. Okay. His name's Darren. He's an absolute legend. He actually follows the page now. He, some of the stories in Norm Beer are insane. I, I hate, I hate the off-field stuff. Mm. The only time I ever ride, look, and I, I. There's nothing worse than a hypocrite mm. in the media, so I'll never. God, God I'm, I can be as loose as anybody. Mm. So and I, and I'll, so I'll never criticise anyone for getting 
hammered or smashed or making mistakes or whatever, I, I have to report about it when there's police involved, mm. charges, disciplinary action from the club. Um, but, God, I get it as much as anybody. I, I Like, you know, young blokes make mistakes. Yeah. God, I'm old and make mistakes. Well, I, I, but I remember one in one of the stories, I was thinking about this while coming here about how things have changed. It's like, so I was at the, I used to live in, in Coogee and I was drinking at the Clovelly Hotel um, the day that the Bulldogs were there in, this would be 2007. Mm. Uh, the next day I got a call and they said, were you there when the incident happened with Sonny Bill and Candace Falzone? And I mm. said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. So they told me what happened. And they, there was footage of it, there was a video of it. Um, do you want to do anything about it? And this shows you how much things have changed. I went, look, that's not really a story that I'd be interested in. Mm. So, I, But I wanted to cover my ass and I called my editor. Mm. And I said, mate, what do you think of this? He goes, that's not a Herald story. Let's not touch it. Yeah, he well. said, but ring. So I rung the All Brothers. Mm. who managed him at the time and i said i said listen so you know this is coming this is going to come out at some yeah. stage um and if it does and the shit hits the fan and sonny wants to clear the air then uh mate i'm here mm. they said yeah no worries that was it the telegraph broke it on the wednesday and then the footage came out or the the the, the, the photo came out the day after mm. and then i got a call from sonny bill one night about 11 p.m he said, oh, hey, Andrew, it's Sonny. And I, and I thought it was a mate of mine taking the piss. I yeah. said, who is it? They said, no, it's Sonny. Yeah. Sonny said, do you want to come down and do a story? Yeah. So we got his side of the story and that ran in the papers on the on the Sunday. Yeah, well. But these days that wouldn't oh, happen. No that wouldn't way. Be, it'd be It'd be up straight away. It would be immediately up. wouldn't even be a yeah. question. Yeah, just a different That just shows point. you how much the – but that's only 15 years. Yeah, it's not that long ago, no, really. No, no. It's um, – I'm with but who, you. But who, who's taking photos and then trying to sell them off? What like kind that? of person's doing that? Fucking and, idiots. And we never People. talk about that part of it. Like, do you no. know what I mean? We just focus. Oh, look, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. But like, the biggest grub of the lot is the bur- person taking photos and then selling it to the media. Terrible. Um, yeah, I'm the same, mate. Like, for example, I think a perfect example is is like the Latrell Jackie White thing. Like that shouldn't be in the pay or, or the dragons argument. Like, I know, I know. But with the, with char- the-, the charge one, I can understand because the police actually charged him. But like people making a big deal of it, it's like, come on, but they're not doing. No, I know, that I know, I know, I know, I know. The I dragons know. one as well. Like that's not a like. No. How's that getting to the paper? First of all, who's but see, leaking that's the, that? But I, but that's the thing. The fact that got leaked. That's crazy. Yeah. That's outrageous. Like the fact that. Blokes have an argument. They shouldn't have been out. They shouldn't have been arguing. But that's a sign of a club that's in trouble. Yeah. You know, if, if, it's a, if it's a good, strong, solid club, that doesn't get out. Yeah. But the, you're right. We'd, look, I, I, look, I got frustrated with the Latrell um, Jack one. I like understand. It's, it. it's, it's, so, it's understand. such a nothing it thing. It is a nothing thing. It's such a nothing thing. But the thing is, they got charged by the cops. I know. So you so, have to. So you can't get away from it, yeah. you know? And, and that's, that's what I hate. And people go, oh, you and grub because you reported that do you honestly think do you think i really want to write about jack whiten and latrell mitchell wrestling. wrestling on the ground yeah i could not give two fucks yeah but it's it but is the, but i think people i think i just think people think that you know you know and also sometimes you can't ignore it sometimes you get t- you got you've got an editor saying yeah, i need something on this it. yeah i mean latrell like put it this way if it was anyone smaller, I think it would just be like nothing story, whatever. But it's Latrell Mitchell and Jackie White, and like 100%. of course it's going to be in the paper. Yeah. But in in an idealistic world, it would be like 
guys. I got far better. Yeah. I, I'm, but they also, <laughs> oh, if it, if people knew how many, like, um, like I've been out to dinners I've had wrecked because something's happened and something's broken and mm. you know like your whole day your weeks can be just consumed in with bullshit stories around you know. Players play misbehaviour. It's like I don't want to write about any of this stuff. Yeah, I've got better yeah. things to do. Yeah, and you love the game too. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You want to talk about the good, like the good yarns that are like, how crazy is this? Um, okay, so the Super League war happens, and obviously they become professional. What about uh, what was it like being? Obviously, I was playing at this time or in a squad or whatever. But the Melbourne Storm situation, because that was when you hear some of the stories. Are you about, talking about the cap story? Yeah, the cap story. So I'd I'd gone to the Telegraph by then. Yeah. I had five years at the Telegraph from '09. This is when Buzz hired me. No Went way. Went from wanting to fight me to hire Sorry. me. How you earned his respect? Did you ever get get to fight? Get get that uh, fight had, out of the way? We had to <laughs> get a wrestle. <laughs> wrestle out the front of a pub. No. He always wants to punch me. He always <laughs> wants to blow me. I always say, Buzz, you can, I'll give you the first three punches. <laughs> oh, mate, mate. The poor fella might fall over. <laughs> Buzz was always funny. He was he was funny to work with. He's he's quite a mad scientist. Buzz. Mm. He's um, he he's very good at engineering. An evil genius. I think it's the best way to describe yeah, him. He's an ornament of rugby league. But it was yeah, he is. He is. But I tell you, it's funny when the Melbourne Storm thing happened. It was really funny for. It was really strange for the Telegraph or the News Corp because they were they owned the Storm, mm. and here they were yeah, covering wow. it. So they wanted to be very transparent. And they didn't want to be seen to be running an agenda through their papers. Mm. So the Telegraph got, we got leaked nothing. Wow. They leaked mostly, stuff got leaked more to the Herald. Okay. Because they wanted to try and be transparent. And I remember one day I was chasing an angle on the Storm Saga and it was one of the biggest, you know, that was such a big story. Oh, mate. When that story broke, I was actually at lunch. I was at lunch with Buzz. <laughs> Me and Buzz, Buzz and a few others, we were on the we were on had a long liquid lunch, and that story broke, so we had to go and front the press conference <laughs> straight away. Like, believe me, we sobered up. Yeah, wow. Yeah, because that story went that story went for for months. That was bonkers. That story. Yeah, crazy. But because yeah, so as it, as it sort of all played out, the the telly got got nothing at all, and I got the shits one day in the office. I said, Why the fuck are we even here if we're not going to get any help with this story, and mm. no one's going to tell us anything. And um, and I was at my desk, and word must have filtered back to um, to John Hardigan, who was the the CEO of News Corp at the time. And he called me on my landline. He said, "Look, Andrew, we have to play this one straight, so no leg ups from us. So don't worry about it. Don't worry if we get beaten on a story. That's just how it goes." Yeah. And I got off the phone. I went, "CEO of the company just said to me, don't worry if you get beaten on a story.'" And I went, "I'm going to the pub for the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Done." <laughs> so so what there? So the CEO. Why were they giving it to the competitor? Because they didn't want to be. Because they didn't want to be seen to be. They had a conflict of interest. Yeah. So, okay. they, so they owned the Telegraph and they mm. also owned the Storm. So they didn't want. And a lot of it was around. Remember when the South, when the South, when South got kicked out of the comp, mm. and South marched the streets, and there was like seventy-eight thousand people, and um, the Telegraph ran the story really small, mm. and they got accused of bias because at the time News Limited owned half owned the game. Yeah, and they, okay. it was their criteria that helped get South out of the comp, so they didn't want to be seen as biased this time around with Melbourne, who mm. they who they owned. So, yeah. yeah, weird situation. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's kind of like the Broncos. Are they still owned by News Limited? Yes. There's, yeah, so they're the majority it's, shareholder. It's, yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh, relationship. Let's put it that way. It certainly is. <laughs> News is fingerprints um, everywhere. 
But I, I got out of there in 2013. Okay. What grand final for you has been the best to cover? Or a best story? Or well, I'm a Dragons man. Okay, 10. So 2010. Uh, everyone's going to think I'm a drunk, but I was quite hungover at that game. Okay. <laughs> I, got, I got a bit excited yep. that week and I'd, yep. gone to the, I'd gone to the races. The Understandable. Day, I'd gone to the races the day before. I remember getting. I remember getting to the ground and sitting there. I was so nervous. And remember, they were they were down at half time. Yeah. And I was getting so shitty, and I was starting to sweat. And then and then the thing is, when you cover night games, you got to follow your story right on full time. Yeah. Wow. So like you're sitting there watching it and you're writing, and <clears throat> I was actually sitting next to Kenty in the press box, and I didn't. And this this story was going to run on the front page of the paper, and I'm like going, <clears throat> what am I going to? What am I going to lead with? So I started to panic. I didn't know what the first sentence could, was going to be. Yep. And I said, what am I going to lead with? And, and there was someone in the stands holding up a banner saying, choke on that. Oh, yeah. and I went, that'll do. Choke <laughs> on that. Ran on the front page of the telly the next day. Far out. That's good. But that grand final was pretty special. Yeah. Just because I was a Dragons man. I remember going into the dressing room afterwards and Craig Young sitting there, you know, next to Dean. And they're both just sitting there in tears. This is like an hour and a half after full time. It's yeah. Like, Jesus, you know that sort of summed up how yeah. how special it is. Absolutely. But the, I still think the 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 Cowboys one was unbelievable. Yeah, because we person. the press box is sitting right behind JT, and I'd written in the paper for the prediction. They said, "Who's your tip?" And I said, "I said uh, Cowboys by two, a curling sideline conversion from Jonathan Thurston no to way. break the deadlock, no and he hit the post." Oh my god, you would have been a, a clairvoyant. I want to look like a legend. I want to look like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> okay, what about uh, the darkest day in sport with the whole Cronulla Shark, Chandoril situation? Terrible. Didn't he get hung out to dry Chandler? It's funny, I was actually stumbled across that story from the other day. Yeah. Talk about thrown under the bus. Oh, mate. Uh, Absolutely. The way Asada behave through that whole thing was terrible it's like we sort of know something so and then we're going to go after it it was bizarre wasn't it yeah super aggressive and like you you think like a an organization and maybe it's completely changed now but for a government organization you would think they would be less gung-ho chest beady you know what i mean and they'd yeah. be more clinical about what's happened like we just want to find the truth that's it. So the tactic was let's like say that this the organised crime and drugs are infiltrating every major code mm. to try and flush out everybody. They didn't. They flushed out two clubs and one player. So you know? what's what yeah, was but your the way Chandor got pulled? I still think it was. I, I, I don't know. There's so many things with the Cronulla thing. I thought were really poor. Like they, the way that Cronulla tried to finger. Um, Trent Elkin and put it all on him. Mm. I thought that was shit. Mm. You know, I, I I got to talk to Elkin a few. So who, who was Trent Elkin in this situation? He was a C SNC at Cronulla. Uh, strength and conditioning. Yeah, he yep. was a strength and conditioning uh, guy at uh, at Cronulla, and he he was accused of being like being the one who introduced Dank and everyone to the club. There were there were some players at that club who were still after three weeks of injections and the creams and all that. There were still two or three players at that club who were seeing, you know, Stephen Dank and, and the Gazelle a year later. Mm. You know, got the same band as the bloke who, the 20-year-old the kid who didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. And I was, think that was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you, yeah, with the Shandor situation, like, it's, he had a shoulder reconstruction mm. and they went through his phone and they charged him for, I think, distribution or something like yeah. that because he said, oh, I've got a mate that can do whatever. 
Like far out. Yeah. Hectic. Yeah, that was that was a rough period. It was a. I just because everyone was so suspicious of it, you know. Like everyone, if who else is on, who else is on the gear, and who yeah. else is doing it, and yeah. Um, and it was also like trying to work out. Just trying to work out what the drugs were that they yeah. were taking. Mm. Like, were they banned or not? And, yeah. Um, but I think at the point they allegedly did anything, they weren't on the banned sub banned list. No. But then you also can't be injecting things that you don't, yeah. which you'd, which you'd, which was un- unclassified. Mm. So, mm. yeah, that was yeah. a shit time. That was wild, eh? That, the darkest day in sport. Oh, my God. Very rough. I mean, Shandor literally <coughs> moved to Bali and lived there yeah. for a year or two. Started a shop, everything. And he's such a good kid. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, he guy, just mate. didn't deserve that at all. No way. Like, oh, yeah, that was a tough, tough time. Um, but everyone was trying to throw each other under the bus so they could, so they could keep their own jobs. Mm. And that's... Yeah, that was, I thought that was peak rugby league. <laughs> oh, that is rugby league. That is rugby league. What about the Rabbitohs getting? Do you have any insight in the Rabbitohs getting kicked out of the comp and then back in? That was just um, they were trying to cull the amount of teams. You know, yeah, so okay. some clubs like St George and Illawarra they merged the Tigers and um, and West they merged and then they had come up with a criteria to get rid of um, to get rid of teams like South. Mm. Worst mistake they ever did. Yeah. Wow. You know what was the criteria because they what they i think it was just like around finances mm. the problem with south is when they got back in the comp a lot of it was around finances and crowds and mm. members and like it couldn't have been around juniors and history yeah but when they got back in the comp they just didn't make the most of it mm. they were they were struggling financially oh. they were just yeah. battling and it was it like russell you know to bloody turn well george began saved him it took it took russell to to get him to the next level yeah yeah that was an ugly shit fight too what the Russell situation? Oh yeah. What happened there? Oh, that was a real dirty tricks campaign. They had, there was PIs like investigating each other's each the different parties and because didn't I, I saw a post recently? Didn't George Piggins and his partner just become life members and that him was and him deal? and Nolene they 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 handed in their life memberships. Yep. And now they've taken it back. Wow. Okay. So I'm so the, I reckon South, the way South have come back and I think South it's funny the two clubs the two Sydney clubs that hate each other the most the Roosters and South are the two best run clubs out of the lot. Yeah, really. They're really strong. Yeah. And you know, this is why I love the game, uh, Denon. It's like, you know, it's it's the game that you and I love, that the man on the street loves, but then you've got Nick Politis, who's worth $2.2 billion, mm. and then you've got Russell Crowe, who's Russell Crowe, mm. and they're just like, you know, they're just um, ridiculous, headless fans like the rest of us. Yeah, they love it just I, as I think that, Mate, I've had... I've had I've been to <laughs> I've been to Russell's place at Woolloomooloo a couple of times to yeah. interview him, and mate, we just sit on that back balcony, and he sits there and chain smokes durries and sits there and talks about footy for you know an hour before you yeah. even get into the to the first question yeah, about what so you're he there loves for. It. And then you got Nick, you got Nick. I remember Nick called me once. I wrote a story about when they were trying to when they were trying to push Craig Fitzgibbon into. Um, in retirement mm. he was at the end and they could only offer him a small amount and Fitz yeah. was Fitz was done anyway and um, and I wrote this tiny story that appeared in the Herald and I got a call from Nick and he just ripped me to shreds and I said and I went oi 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 <laughs> I said how many fucking great stories have I written about the roosters over the years he went you know what baby you're right it's okay <laughs> I love you 
and I could hear the water and I was going I said Nick where are you he goes I'm in Greece at the beach <laughs> and I was like for Christ's sake you've got nothing better to do than Read. call me about a 300 word piece about Fitzy in the Herald <laughs> that's how much he loves it he's still and he's no different yeah wow he's no different that's he loved, he's still just as fired up I spoke to him the other day after the Dolphins loss oh wow he was he was very upset yeah so imagine being that passionate and it's so good for the game it is people as powerful and as wealthy as that being as invested as they are yeah because that's that's they're the kind of people that get you to next levels don't mention the sombrero oh he he hates that oh really he hates it wow i mean because from his perspective good business sense well yeah they work so hard to do what they do he'd be frustrated I guess. but I, if i was a young player and i could if i could go to the i know everyone talks about their cap right i get it like i mean you know look at the players they've signed like lenu or they're about to sign well, lenu and, and young and the journos reporting on the numbers doesn't help either like for example saying suelit is on 750k is outrageous there's no way you don't think he's on that there's amount? no way you tell me he's on 750 he's he on a million he should be he should be on 750 for sure, but I don't think he's on 750. Joey Manu, Daniel Tupo, you reckon that? I, no way. Honestly, I reckon you're right because I. No way. Yeah, no. It's impossible. It just wouldn't. It couldn't do it. Maybe. <laughs> and so I don't like, want to cast any aspersions. No, I don't. I at think, all. I think he's manager. And I, but I do think players, and I know it sounds like bullshit, but I reckon players go there for less. 100, percent they do. They do, and I reckon a big part of it is, you look at all those players if they like. If they stay, if they're like like a Boyd or a Friendy or or Mini or whoever, if you're part of that part of the furniture there, yeah. if you're loyal to the club, if you're as loyal to the Roosters as Nick is, you're set for life, baby. Yeah, he'll you know, always help that, you out. he'll always help you out. He'll always be part of the family. But if you shit on him and if you try and play them off another club oh. off, you know, then he'll just walk, he'll go go go. Done. Yeah, he'll go. Yeah. It's uh, and, and to be fair, like every club has influential figures like that. Just Roosters seem to do it the best. Like Broncos have influential figures, Rabbitohs have influential figures. So, um, but Buzz and I went on the um, just before just before COVID start, and they went they had the World Cup challenge in uh, against St Helens, mm. and that's when they went to Barcelona first. Mm. And Buzz and I were on the was were on the junket to go and cover it. Me and Buzz sitting back in hey, best mates, best mates in business class. You know, living the dream, the dream, flying to Barcelona. Yeah, talking footy. And I said, and they sent the Roosters on that trip, and they did big tours of Barcelona FC to try and get ideas, and they had that with their academy and, and shit like that. And they, and, but they sent 40 members, that's, that's staff and players, 40 members of their, of their squad and coaching staff mm. and some of their front office staff mm. to Barcelona, then to Manchester. Where they were based for the and then and then against uh, and then against St Helens for the World Club Challenge and they all flew business class. Yeah, what do you what, million bucks, all up? What would it be? For, well, no, forty times. You know, it's a lot. Probably more than a million. <coughs> these are these are these are these are pre-COVID airfares, but still, it wouldn't have wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't have been cheap. cheap. No. Maybe half a million. No. All the accommodation, oh man, it'd be expensive. <coughs> you um, reckon the Dragons are sending any, you know, all their players oh, and coaching no. staff to? It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, On business class, what, what's who's been? Has there been any story where you've had like back in the day or whatever, where you've had a beer with a bloke and it's just like as in a play or something, and something outrageous has happened? Where there's been drama, 
Just just a good story that you like. Oh, you know, God. One night we're out here doing this. Have you been on tour with the Kangaroos or anything like that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went that Four Nations I have. I'm just trying to think. God. Actually, let's talk about the start of COVID. Was yeah. that, uh, that would have been an interesting time with like, are you going to shut down? Are we going to open up? What's going on with the government? What was Me- going on there? Mem- remember, when, remember when the NRL got, um, they had the biosecurity uh, advice to shut down? Mm. And so they shut down. And, it was only, and they were talking about a long period of time. I remember meeting like at the press conference and Brent Reid and I went into the, one of the, the boardroom at the NRL with mm. Volandis and, and Todd Greenberg was the CEO. And I said, what if they shut you down for six months? PVL, he goes. We'll find another. We'll find another another expert to come up <laughs> come up with a different come up with a different um, a different timeline. That's crazy, mate. That was that was one of the craziest times it in the game. That, so that, that, the stories changed oh. by the day. And you look back and you go, you know what? Him being as aggressive as he was was kind of right when you think about it. Oh yeah. Like these young athletes, they're fit as healthy as anything. He he like his, the whole thing about Volandis is he's you know, crash or crash through. That's his, that's his, um, that's his mo. But, and I thought the way I was a bit critical of him early on. I thought, mate, you know, people are losing their jobs, people mm. are losing their lives, and you're worried about getting rugby league back. But he could see that the finances of the game were so dire that they needed to get back sooner than later. Otherwise, the game would have been, you know, I don't know if it would have folded, but it would have been in a pretty bad way. It certainly would have opened itself up to private equity. Investors who would have bought the shit out of the game, and who knows what we would have had now. But it's, it's but he saved the game, and he got and he dragged all the other sports along with it. Yeah, so that's interesting. So the chat about the game being in dire straits, and the year before they just had a fifty million dollars surplus, I think. Yeah, and so that was genuine in two thousand and nineteen. I think so. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, well, that was the information I read anyway. That fifty million dollars is what they did the year before, I think, surplus. Yeah. So those those yarns about the game being because because there was going to be no broadcast money yeah, coming okay. in. That's why the whole thing around broadcast and non-broadcast revenue is so important because the game's the game has basically been the has been TV's bitch for so long, mm, mm. which I hate. Mm. You know. Oh, I wish I wish there was a way where the NRL could almost take the product in in uh, in house of the NFL and sell it. Yeah, like the NFL does, because I I think like it would look. It's never it's probably never going to happen. But in a perfect world, if you had enough resources, if I was the NRL, I'd be keeping everything in house. I'd be making it so you can just subscribe to the NRL to watch the the rugby league, mm. and that way, you, when you do go to Fox Sports and that, you can go. Well, if you don't, if you don't want to, you know, put it on or, or whatever or Channel Nine, we'll put it there. We'll just put on, We'll just get people to subscribe. I think anti siphoning laws here would mean you've got to have some of it on free to wear. I mean, but it'd be a mix. I'm not saying it would just. I, I be on just, it. I just think, like, all right, take last the, the first game of the season. I think it's ridiculous that they said there were 17,000 there. They must have been counting legs. Like there was, it would have been 8,000 there for sure. It yeah. was terrible. Mm. For the first match of the season, Storm, Parramatta, Combank, they're the grand finalists from last year. I know it's a Thursday night, but because they're kicking off at five past eight, they get a crowd like that. Mm. And I remember sitting there and I, I, I brought this up with Andrew Abdo the other day. I said, mate, in the next TV deal, surely in this day and age we can get away from like we've got, you can stream everything, you've got multiple digital channels and we're still beholden to Channel 9. This is probably going to get me sacked. <laughs> but but you can, we're still beholden to Channel 9 and, and a current affair and a current affair in terms of the kickoff time. Yeah. Like why don't you put football on at the time when people will, 
will watch it. Yeah. Like in the NFL, if you have a Thursday night, if clubs have a Thursday night game, the NFL give those clubs $2 million to, for extra marketing and tickets and to try and get it to make sure they sell it out. Yeah, okay. If the yeah. NFL is doing that, then surely rugby league should be trying to do something because, you know, people don't turn up if it's if the game's on after eight o'clock on a weeknight. The game is quite late. Like even me, like when it's hitting nine thirty, nine forty-five, I'm going, mate, just done. I'm done. Exactly. I'm out. Um, and if you got if you're out there, by the time you travel home, you're getting home at like eleven thirty or something. If you're in the, this day and age, like I just can't believe you're so the game's so dictated to by mm. when a current affairs come on. I we mean, just, seriously. We have no assets to fall back on like no. the AFL do. they got that massive stadium where they just go, all right, we'll just borrow on that, be sweet. Um, I, I covered that game last Thursday. Oh, yeah? I've never seen anything more disgusting in the rooms afterwards than Cameron Munster's finger. No way. Holy hell. Like, so you saw his finger? We went and interviewed him afterwards. He was like, he was hilarious. He's a legend. Yeah, he's a legend. He must have had a lot of painkillers in it because he was, he was fine, but he took, opened it up and, mate, it was... Like this bloodied pulp. It's like someone had tortured him and ripped his fingernail oh. off. It was, that's really rough. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the recent discussion around like HIA, concussion, everything? Like it feels like it's the game's biggest challenge in the next 10 to 20 years, maybe ever. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, I get it. I think they're petrified of being sued. Mm. I think they're genuinely worried about what happened in the AFL happening in, in rugby league. Mm. And when you've got some former players talking about class actions. And I remember when this all kicked off a couple of years ago, I had a ambulance chasing lawyer call me and said, look, I'm thinking about getting all these players together and launching a class action against the NRL. Do you want to be part of it and, like, and, 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 and be their cheerleader for it? And I went... Get fucked. No, no, no. Thank I you. don't, mate. At, at all, at all. I, I, I think, I think the problem is, you'd understand this better than me. I think the whole belief that head high tackles are the only reason players get concussed. Mm. Like I think just jamming through a head high um, rule or jamming through a new sort of stronger ruling on on any contact with the head to try and think that's going to eliminate concussion is mm. just bullshit mm. you know i think no that's way. that just shows you how much they don't understand it mm. it's it's an interesting one because like i i'm personally of the mind like i can understand if the nrl was holding information back because the nfl situation they covered up they were literally covering it up yeah whereas to my understanding as soon as the nrl knew about this kind of stuff they let all the players know this is the reality of the situation so for me personally i can't speak for anyone else but if you came through in my era at least and you wanted to sue, I would be like, are you serious, mate? You knew what you were doing. Like, yeah. you knew what you were doing. Yeah. Everyone is a consenting adult. We all knew that if we played rugby league, we would get some kind of brain damage. You can't turn around now and sue the game that gave you everything because, you know what I mean? Like, You talk to Joe about this stuff. It's, the game's not for everybody. It really isn't. That, but that's, what, that's the problem. I think there's a belief that, you know, that it's the same work conditions as... Yeah, it's yeah, not. I mean, a newsroom, it's not, just not how it works. But that's why we get all the glory in our quotation marks. That's why, you know, NRL players are so respected and, you know, lauded. It's because you're willing to put your body on the line mm. in the gladiator arena kind of thing. I also think it's wrong when the, look, the NRL really ran a campaign with it the other couple of years ago, remember, and, mm. you know, the, the way that they pushed our poor old uh, Steve Mortimer and a few other former players and said, look, this is what happens if you don't, protect the head or you or if you let concussion run it was like yeah well they played in the fucking 80s yeah, no. 
It was a bit different then. Way different back then. Mario Fenix like, was sponsored by Captain Snooze because <laughs> he was knocked out so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go through all those old files, which I've had to for when writing books, it's like like he was knocked out every second game. Yeah, yeah. But the game's not like that it's anymore. Not like it's that like anymore. it's completely sort of flipped. It's oh, it's con- especially like even in my era, like if you got concussed, they would lift you up and say, get back out there. Mm. Um, but uh, ever since, it's probably like what, 2012, 10 to 12? Where it's completely flipped on its head, yeah. like a better you're not word. Ga- you're not game to not pull someone off. Oh, man. You, know? you wouldn't, like, no way. If anything, you use the rule to try and get an interchange. That's oh, all, that's we all, saw it all the time. Yeah, that, that's all it is. Absolutely. That's funny. Well, I remember I wrote a story a couple of years ago about, um, well, I'll say it, it was Parramatta, mm. about how they were, seemed to be getting a HIA for a big forward around the 20-minute mark every game. <laughs> and I wrote the story. I remember Brad Arthur was filthy with me. Mm. I said, mate, the NRL looking at it, so that makes it a legitimate story. Yeah. So it just happened to be a coincidence that a big prop was coming off at 20 minutes with, with the HIA. Far out. Yeah. Sorry, Parramatta, I'm not trying to... Clubs game the system all the time. And anyone that thinks they don't, come on now. Exactly. Come on now. That, so no independent doctors? Look, that was one of the great Ricky Stewart sprays. Yeah. Only Ricky Stewart could whinge about the NRL using independent doctors and find it as a reason to give it to Clint Newton and the RLPA. LPA. <laughs> I was like, it was vintage Ricky. He <laughs> <laughs> bringing up the RLPA, I was like, what? Where's this come that from? Was very <laughs> Clint Newton had a good quote. He said, "He said, well, you know, you can tick that off one Ricky Stewart spray for the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, round I mean, one. <laughs> round one, ready to go. I love Stick. I get on well with Ricky. He is so good for the game. He is. He really is. He and is, I, I is, mean that is. genuinely. Like, okay, you might disagree with, like, I, I strongly disagree with his take uh, on the weekend. But he still adds so much to the game. Like spits. He, it's, it's he hate, of, used to hate me, Ricky. Oh, really? We had a massive. We had a massive blue. We had a couple of massive fights. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he. We. He. When. When I first started, I remember I wrote a few stories that he didn't like. And after a game, they'd lost to the Warriors, mm. and he'd been fined for for um, criticizing the refs the week before. And the refs in this game were fucking terrible. <laughs> and I said to him, "What do you think of the refs?" No, not saying anything. <laughs> I'll get in trouble. I said, no, no, but can you talk about it? No, Andrew, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Afterwards, like one of the media guys for the roost came up and said, that's entrapment. You're trying to get him fined. And then Ricky came at me and then Politis came and he had this big black coat came at me. I was like, oh, this is fun. And then after that, we were sweet. Yeah. When he was New South Wales coach, I remember it was a couple of days before there was a decider must have been 12 i think it was mm. in brisbane and um it, w- it was three days beforehand and uh i went and had a drink with him because you know they all like drink through origin yeah and uh we were, <laughs> we were sitting there and all these assistant coaches like after i got there they all sort of slowly peeled away 3 a 3 a.m in the morning and i'm like right a stick that's uh, that's enough for me mate and he goes why, why why are you going i said well, it's 3am and I'm tired and I'm blind, so I can't do this anymore, mate. I said, are you going to bed? He goes, no. Why would I do that? What am I going to do? I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> See him at training the next day, ready to, to go, go, ready to go. Oh, yeah. The great line, Dean Ritchie asked him before the 20, 2002 grand final, he said, some people say you're paranoid. No, I'm not. Who's been saying that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the, that's a vintage. The great stick. Ricky Stewart. He's so good for the game. He you really should get is. Ricky on this. I would love to. Because when he gets fought, when he's angry, he spits. Yeah. Okay. Do you know that? No, I've never seen it in person. <laughs> he <so>. spits. <laughs> no, that's not fucking right. Oh my God. I'll get a bucket next to him. I love him. Um, 
Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Who's been the best player? Like, who's the best bloke you've ever had to deal with in rugby league? Number oh, one. Bloke. That's a good question. Timmy Manor. Really, Timmy Manor. I've always had a soft spot for Timmy. He's such okay. a good guy. Yeah. The the can, uh, the the, uh, the min cat. Mini. Mini. Yep. He's he's one of the greats. I, I went to a Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl I ever covered. I've covered three. Mm. The first one I did was 2016 in San Fran, and him and Robbie Farrow and a few others were on that trip. Mm. And <clears throat> I'll never forget. I think I could tell this story. So. We went, yeah, we went to, um, we went out on this a few nights before the game. We went out on the, must have been the Wednesday night. We went to this steakhouse and. Then we went to um, Marquee Nightclub, had a pop-up nightclub in San Fran. So mm. we walked in there and the whole, you know, the whole American thing about getting a booth. Mm. And so we've got this hostess there and she's going, you guys want this want this booth? And we're sort of up and down about it because it's going to cost a lot of money. Thousands and, you know, of dollars. Yeah, they're lots of money. Mm. And <clears throat> she goes, can you make up your mind? Because Ludacris, the rapper, he wants the, he wants the booth. Yeah, yeah. And Minnie goes... Fuck ludicrous. <laughs> I'm the min cat. <laughs> and he's damn right. And I went, <laughs> she was like, the who? I was on the ground. I was like wetting myself. He's 100% so we've right. got, so we got sat and sat in the booth. Yeah. And we're sitting there and like, they've got massive bottles yeah. of Belvedere vodka mm. and, and all this stuff. And I said to Minnie, I said, mate, I'm not on former rugby league player money, mate. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a hundred dollar a day per diem here. I'm not going to be able to pay for this. And so I threw him a couple of hundred and I went, I also had to cover, cover the, um, cover the big media session the next day yeah, yeah bill yeah. belichick and tom brady the next day so wow. i was like jesus i can't um no that wasn't so that was a different super bowl mm. peyton manning the next day yeah it was peyton manning the next day i was like so i'm going to cut out early mm. so the next day I, I, I went back to the hotel i was walking back along the main the main street in san fran and here's like the big sign with ludicrous who was playing there that night no so i took a photo of it and i sent it to minnie and minnie called me goes webby drama I said, what do you mean? He said, let's just say when we came to the end of the night, we none of us really had enough money to cover the $15,000 bill. Oh, my God. Mm. $15,000. I think that's what it was, yeah. So they were there with the lights on the whole bit. So I dodged, I dodged the bullet there. And, and they, so what, they like had to... I think they all had to, had to chip in and try and cover it. No way. Mm. $15,000. cat. The min cat, maybe he should have been ludicrous. <laughs> I don't think he. Well, look, he wasn't responsible for the whole bill. Oh, for sure, for sure. But it's a bit groupier. It was on his name. It was on his card. No way, fifteen grand. It's worth it though. Was this early in his career or later? No, this is a, this is a, this is post career. So this is two sixteen. Oh, okay. So that's why. Yeah. Whereas During his career, he would have been they on good coin. They couldn't do it. Yeah, he was on good coin, but I mean, you couldn't. I don't know. Have you got have you got a lazy fifteen in your bank account? You would because you're worth because oh. you're worth about oh, how much go. is your dynasty? Mate, how you much can't is it worth? Let this go. <laughs> I can't. I told you the only value that matters is to my wife oh, and in my community, and I'm Are worth. You know what 30? I'm worth? You know what I'm worth to my wife? The world. Twenty bucks. The world. <laughs> how much should be worth? The world. Thirty. To my wife and my community. That's mil? all that matters. Give me a break, mate. Can I, Come on. Can now. I snip you to pay that? Mate, Webby, thank you so much for coming on, brother. I really appreciate it. And um, as we said, mate, at the end of the year, be ready for Wayne Bennett's book. Exactly. Get out there and buy it. Thanks yeah. for having me, mate. No. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.